0: Hello, my name is Pastor Max and we're going to continue in our Recovery Church series on the path. Today we're going to talk about, in this episode, Step 4. And we're going to break Step 4 into two parts. uh, This episode we're going to look at sort of the background of Step 4 and then the the second part is going to look at the nuts and bolts of Step 4. So hopefully a lot of people, this is a really big step for a lot of people, And so we want to give as much information and as much assistance as we can to help people accomplish this. The path, the series that we are on that is going over each and every step says that rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And that's right at the very beginning of how it works in uh, AA's uh, big book. And so we want to continue to help you on this path. And the fourth step is one of the, the biggest and sort of Uh, especially in early sobriety and depending on when you come to the fourth step, it's one of the most life-transforming parts of sobriety. And so we want you to be able to experience that here at Recovery Church. We want you to experience all the freedom, all of the uh, incredible things that come, but it can be very daunting. So we're going to look at that. Step four says we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. For, For many, it just scares people. What am I going to find? I don't want to look at that. Can we let the past be the past? The problem with that is it has a nasty way of poking its head back up, often when we least expect it or least desire it to do so. So when we deal with the past head on, when we really just straightforwardly take care of that, um, it allows us to live a life of freedom so, in making this searching, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, it's going to allow us to have greater freedom. Now, I want to, there's a quote that people say all the time, and I have to follow your instincts. You'll never regret it. I'm going to, as we go through this, I'm going to say, especially for people in recovery or trying to, to get sober, following your instincts, you may always, maybe not always, but you will often regret following your instincts. So often that got following our instincts, following our feelings, the things that we thought we should do, got us into trouble, not uh, brought freedom to us. Uh, our scripture this mo- this uh, episode it's it's not a long one. It comes from. F- Uh, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. In other words, protect your heart, for from from it flows the springs of life. Protect your heart. Don't just do whatever you want to do, but protect your heart because that's where life flows out of life flows out of the heart so all those feelers all those people who are emotional and uh, and that's know that that's that's where life flows out of so you're like yay Uh, but know that if you don't protect it it can get us damaged and injured and, and hurt whether it's emotionally or actually even sometimes physically the proverb tells us how important it is to just be protective of our heart Um, and truly the issues of life. And the fourth step is all about those issues, those taking inventory of the issues of our lives. Um, Step four, creation gave us instincts for a purpose. We have instincts. They were were put into us when we were created. So our desires are perfectly necessary and right and surely God-given. God has given us desires, desires for things like, The sex relationship, uh, material security, emotional security, those things, those desires, those things that drive us are actually natural desires. But how often has our instincts far exceeded their proper function? Whether it it was for material security, whether it was to feel safe, emotional security, or even in uh, sex relations, relationships with other people, um, how often do our instincts far exceed what their function was. Now, powerfully, blindly, sometimes subtly, these instincts can drive us. They can dominate us. And they sometimes insist upon ruling our lives. When we are, uh, you know, our desire, again, for sex, material, and emotional security, when that becomes the aim of our lives, when those things are so important that we work 80-hour weeks and then we neglect uh, other things when we want stuff when we our desire for stuff and we're we're trying to amass stuff and and not all stuff is bad But when we have too much stuff or or stuff that doesn't matter and we put more importance on stuff than people or God, that's when it becomes out of balance. Our our desire for relationships and intimacy with other people, God gave us that so that we could procreate and have more people and um, so that life will continue. So all of those things are natural, but how often have we um, maybe desired any of those items and we've lied about things, or we've cut corners, or um, did things that, that we shouldn't have done. Um, so those are important things, but they, they've, they've tyrannized us. They have has absolute power and control over us, over our decision-making, over our schedule, over even how we carry ourselves. Our natural desires have caused us great trouble. For those, those in addiction, they have, you know, our desire for uh, emotional security may come through uh, a drink or a drug, a pill or a pipe. This will make me feel safe. This will allow me to not have to worry about those things. But even after chasing for emotional security, how often is our, mater- our material security gone? And so we, we don't have the money to continue with our lifestyle. So sometimes we, li- we lie or we, st- we steal or you know, from those that we love. Practically, all the problems that we have had is our desires being, our instincts being out of balance. Um, And honestly, no human being is exempt from it, whether in addiction or not. But those in addiction know how, how challenging this can be. And honestly, it's the kind of thing that could propel us to go back out um, and use again. And so that's why we want to really squarely take a look at these things. Nearly every serious emotional problem can be seen as a case of misdirect, misdirected instinct. When we have an emotional problem, it's usually because we're not secure materially, uh, relationally, uh, uh, emotionally. We're, we don't feel safe. And so we, we are, our instincts are out of whack um, I'll give a simple. we fear that we're not going to have enough and so maybe we don't report everything on our taxes we cut corners because again we're afraid that if, if we give it away we're never gonna get it back and on some level from the government we probably wouldn't but but we're not we're, we won't earn enough or we won't have enough um, another example and this is more of a, a silly example uh, that when I would go out to eat with my father, he and I would go out We'd at a fast food restaurant and we would always, he and I, separately, would get a stack of napkins like this thick, just in case. Now, when he and I have been together, neither one of us have ever spilled our drink or, you know, the ketchup hasn't gone flying or anything like that but we had this squirrel mentality. Well, what happens just in case I better have a stack of napkins? And it became sort of a joke and we would laugh about it and um, try not to take as many napkins. But it's that that lack of security. So it can be as simple as taking too many napkins at the fast food store or um, lying about things or cutting corners or taking paper from work because if you, you pay for it yourself, you might not have enough money or or, you know, you justify, they don't treat me well enough, so I, I might as well take some things. All of those are a lack of security, a lack of, uh, you know, our feeling, our, our instincts are being met. Step four. Step four is the vigorous and painstaking effort to discover what these liabilities in us have been and still are. We want to find out exactly how, when, and where our natural desires have warped us. Are there certain situations? Are there certain relationships? Are there certain scenarios where these really raise up and they really hurt us? They hurt us with our relationships. They hurt us with relating to others. We want to discover what, for lack of a better word, term, is what have our emotional deformities been? You know when can when when can we and how can we move toward correcting them because they have caused problem without a willing and persistent effort to do this, honestly there can be little sobriety or contentment for us. Many people share um, in the rooms that uh, I I never did the four step and I went out. Now I'm not going to make the statement if you don't do the four step, you can't stay sober. I'm not, not going to make a declarative statement like that. However, I am going to say when you do do the fourth step, when you take that painstaking look, um, your life will change. For me, in regards to sobriety, I felt that I could stay sober long term only after I did the fourth step. When I did the fourth step, I started to say, this can be my program. This can, I'm not gonna ride the coattails of anyone else, any family members, or anything like that. I know that my sobriety can be my own. And so the fourth step is this incredible experience. And it, it's not always easy, especially in the, in the fifth step, sharing it, but it is transformational. And I just I encourage you, don't be afraid of it. Um, and that's why you do it with other people. This is not something to be done alone. This is where, whether in recovery church, if you have a pastor, um, in the rooms, whether you have a sponsor, somebody you trust, to walk through this, uh, this step with them. Without a searching and for fearless moral inventory, faith, which really works in our daily living, is pretty much out of reach. Our basic problem has always been going to the extreme. We always go to the extreme. Now, whether it was drinking and drugs, whether it was exercise, whether it was eating, dieting, it didn't matter, it could be good, could be bad, it, we would always take it to the extreme. If, if the, the label on it said, you know, two Tylenol were good, we figured four were even better because we took things to the extreme. How frequently do we see frightened human beings determined to depend completely upon a stronger person for guidance? And maybe that's where you are, where you rely on a spouse, parents, somebody else to make decisions for you or to help you. If we fail to grow up, disillusionment and helplessness, that's going to be our lot. We're going to live a life filled with disillusionment and helplessness. And whenever... A human being, whenever we become a battleground for our instincts, there can be no peace. When our instincts are running wild and they're colliding and they're trying to figure out who, which instinct is going to win and, and which instinct is going to have uh, the greatest uh, uh, effect over the things that we do, there can be no peace. Every time a person imposes their un, their instincts unreasonably upon others or a situation, unhappiness always follows. Now, if you've ever had a coach or you've ever been in a play and there's a director, if you had a coach or a director who was very controlling and um, really imposed their instincts, their will upon uh, upon every aspect, it was probably an unhappy time. Um, Demands made upon other people for too much, too much attention, too much protection, too much love, it can only invite two things, domination or revulsion. If we continue to ask people, oh, please give me attention, please protect me, protect me from everything in the world, please love me, love me, love me, that person will either dominate or just say, no, get, get away. And the truth is, we don't want either extreme. If, we're, if we have a person where we desire attention or protection or love, we desire for, really for connection with that person, but that won't happen when we ask for too much. Um, and the cause for all of this is our instincts run wild. And the underlying, that's pretty much the underlying cause of our destructive drinking and using is our instincts running wild. And, you know, We drank or used to drown feelings of fear. Of frustration, of depression, for vainglory, um, to en- enjoy foolish dreams of pomp and, and and power. And we we would we would use or drink at all these circumstances. Instincts on rampage were just they were out of control. And when our instincts are out of control, the truth is they balk at investigation. They do not want to be looked at. The, um, so so often in recovery, we have refused to proceed. We've refused to look at these things because the instinct says, whoa, we're good here. What are they trying to do? Look at our shortcomings, trying to look at how we do things. Don't we know we have the God-given right to be secure emotionally and, and, and uh, materially and, and to have uh, relationships with other people? How dare they want to look at these things? and we're be- because when we're when we look at these things and even when we don't how often are we swamped with guilt and self-loathing we wallow i love this we wallow in this messy bog often getting misshapen and painful pleasure out of it woe is me if you only knew my hardships if you only knew how hard my life was and then sometimes on the flip side we would feel so guilty and how Oh, what a bad person I am, we would say, and how, how weak I am. And I, I, I put this little, this little side note in. If you're in recovery, or you're not in recovery, addicts, if you're an addict, addicts and people in recovery are some of the most strong-willed people I've ever met. Now, a lot of times our will is maybe going in the wrong direction, but people in addiction are not weak people. They are very strong people. Yet our, our self-talk, one of the first things that it'll say is, you're weak, you're stupid, you're not good enough, which is a lot of times, again, why we drank. We had this fear of not having enough, not being enough. And so oblivion, that was the only solution. I'm getting wasted. I'm getting high. I don't want to even deal with this. We've lost all perspective when that is the only, when that seems like the best solution. And then when we've lost perspective, honestly, we've lost any genuine humility. It's really pride in reverse because we haven't been able to honestly see what the the scenario is. And so we think sobriety is the only thing. And when I say sobriety is the only thing, I'll say being dry, sober, not drinking anything is enough. That's the only thing that we need. If we just stop drinking, if we just stop using, we're going to be okay. We believe that our one-time maybe good character, it's going to be revived the moment we quit. Um, but I assure you, sobriety being dry is not enough. We need more, and the fourth step is the more. We need more to advance. You know, too often in our drinking and even in the scenarios ba- around our drinking and drug use, we've blamed o- others. Our present anxiety and troubles, so often we cry, are caused by the behavior of other people. My boss, the insurance company, uh, this person I got in an accident, whatever it is, other people, My, if you had parents like I did, if you had siblings like I did, if whatever it is, or, um, you know... We we think we're justified and reasonable, and we we have our resentments are the right kind of resentments. Well, if you if you knew, you wouldn't like these people either. You would blame them too. Um, but when we're more objective, and the fourth step really is calling for us to be objective, we can look fearlessly, rather than fearfully, at our own defects. And I think that's one of the greatest issues. We are fearful of what we're going to find. We're, we don't want to look. When instead we should be fearless about um, what we'll find. Our pride, it blinds us to our liabilities. We Their self-justification was the maker of excuses. I, I'm really not that bad or this isn't that bad. And we would justify things that... We probably knew we're wrong. We thought we had to drink or use. We thought that was the only option. Because times were hard or times were good. Because we were smothered with love or got none at all. Because we were great successes or dismal failures. And so it went on and on and on. We could make the art of creating an alibi a fine art. It, it didn't matter. Any day that ended in Y was a day that we could find a reason to drink or use. I had just taken a test. I have to take a test. I just finished studying. I have to study. There's always some excuse. I have to go meet my uh, in-laws, or I have to see my parents, or I just saw my parents, or just saw, but we could, it doesn't matter. I had a bad, I, I have a staff meeting today, or something had to be done about this, about these vengeful resentments, the self-pity, the unwarranted pride. We, we thought how great we were when, even in, in our addiction, we were not at full capacity much of us had to drop the word blame and we needed to learn that when we were seriously disturbed about whatever it was we first our first need was to quiet that disturbance whether whatever it is i i sometimes see it i try not to engage in it if you're on Facebook and you see some debate going on, sometimes we get this, this disturbance in us. and We need to quiet that disturbance. Maybe it's an interaction with someone at work. Maybe it's an interaction with a family member. But we have this disturbance and we need to quiet it. And so we no longer have drugs or alcohol to quiet that disturbance. So we need to drop the word blame of other people coming at us or other people doing things to us. And this is going to require great willingness even to begin. And that's why so many people struggle with starting the fourth step. There is much wrong and much that must be done. There's plenty wrong with us alcoholics and addicts. Um, But if we are to expect sobriety, progress, and the real ability to cope with life, we're going to need to quiet that disturbance and we're going to need to acknowledge that there is things that are wrong with us that, that are going to need work on, to be worked on. I'm going to revisit our original uh, scripture from the beginning, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with, uh, with all vigilance. In other words, protect your heart from the disturbances, from blame, from all the outside things that are coming in that make us react. Because from it, from our heart flows the springs of life. It tells us, be protective of our heart, because that's where the issues of life come from. The fourth step is like a heart transplant. It gets rid of the bad, and it gives us a new heart. It awakens what was dead. And it starts to produce what they describe in the twelfth step as a spiritual awakening. So I close with this thought. Don't follow your instincts, and you'll never regret it. I know that that flips it a little bit, but we need that heart transplant. We need to change how we go about things. And in doing so, it's going to open up so many more things. And It'll actually help us with our judgment so that you'll at some point actually be able to trust your instincts a little bit better. But at this point, it's not about following our instincts because that is what has gotten us into trouble again and again and again. So that concludes the four-step part one. We're going to do, in the next episode, we'll do part two. and We're really going to kind of look at the nuts and bolts and, and some of the questions that you need to ask and to be considering in that process of the fourth step. But we never want to leave uh, one of these episodes without giving you the opportunity to respond. God has created us to be in relationship with Him. And we talked about God has given us all these natural instincts. He's created them in us. But so often they have gone uh, in a different direction or they've exceeded what God's intention was. And our sin, our instincts that have run wild, our instincts that have been in collision, those are the things that have separated us from God. Those, those, those uh, things that have run wild. And sins, they can't be removed by good deeds. There's not any amount of good things that we can do. No amount of even a perfect fourth step, uh, perfect fifth step. No, No amount of perfect steps, perfect... Uh, attendance at, at meetings at Recovery Church is enough to remove that separation that we've experienced. There's a price to pay for that. But not to worry. There is someone who's not only willing to pay the price, is able to pay the price. And that one is Jesus who died and He rose again. And everyone who trusts in Him alone will have eternal life. And life that's eternal means that we begin living with Jesus right now and get to live with Jesus in heaven forever. It's our encouragement that as you're on this spiritual journey, as you're uh, understanding and trying to uh, really uh, continue on the path that know that every step that you make, every progress that you make is is awesome. Continue making progress, continue, to uh, on this journey because it tells us rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path and this this step four is critical to that path and to that success so if you have any questions if you don't have somebody um, a sponsor or a pastor or someone that you can talk with this, please message whether it's uh, you can direct message me or you know put it in the comment section but, Know that you're not alone and that this is something that has the the power to transform your life, much like all the steps. This really has one of the, the opportunities to really make things different in your life. And So, Recovery Church, 12 steps, one goal. We love you, God bless you, and we'll see you at the next episode.